and welcome to the Rubber Duck Dev Show. I'm Chris. And tonight, we're going to talk about when your Rails project goes off the rails. So, um... Uh-oh. Hold on. Getting some, some sound issues. Uh, yep. That's what happens. No, no, no. It's the click. I they couldn't hear you. Um, so, we were having problems with internet earlier today, so. We're gonna have a rough start. Anyway, we're just we'll just muscle through it. We're big boys. That'll be fine. All right. So, um, as I was saying, we're gonna talk about what happens with when you go off the rails. But before we get into that, uh, we can review. How was your week, Creston? Myself, particularly over this week, because I know I was doing that working on an API and I was just like just running through getting stuff done with that method. And I usually don't do that when I'm working with UI stuff. What about you? Cool. Although it looks like you're sorry. I was <laughs> I was dealing with we were having some sound issues. I couldn't hear the first bit of what you were saying because the sound was routing in the wrong place. This the sound setup for the show is kind of a nightmare sometimes <laughs> but i think we're all good now um hey edwin hey tim welcome to the show hope you guys brought lots of questions for drew Just troll him mercilessly would you um so i i had a pretty successful week actually i've been working on um our ci process didn't have um, good code analysis automation in it uh, so I implemented a lot of that, automated the code analysis, got Ruby Critic, Skunk, uh, Breakman, SimpleCov in there, um, Bundler Audit, those kind of things. And then it ships the reports out to a place where people can go look them up by PR and see what the stats are on their particular PR on a web, nice web view. So I got that all launched this week um, and then had to do a lot of backdoor admin stuff that you know all the fun admin things that you have to do that programmers just don't like doing but sometimes it's just part of the job you know but yeah i spent a lot of time on that uh 
on the code analysis because I think it's really important and they didn't they didn't have enough of that going. They were doing some code analysis, but not automated with every PR and then comparing between PRs to make sure things were getting worse. So I figured I'd take on that project because it's really important. Um, cool. So how about you, Drew? Well, I am coming back from vacation, a much needed vacation. So I am playing catch up on all the things. So emails and GitHub notifications and tech Twitter because took a real vacation and actually was pretty off Twitter for a while. So just a lot to catch up on, but yeah. uh, I hear something happened with Heroku again and everyone's leaving that. So yeah, well, there's, there's that to catch up on. Yeah. I, I mean, not, uh, I think I'll, I think I won't uh, say what I probably shouldn't say, which is Heroku used to be good until you know so if i may ask because i'm in the dark because i've just been head down working what transpired <laughs> well heroku so salesforce decided that sometime in october i think heroku is going to stop offering free, free plans and all the free stuff is going to go away oh. um and okay. so people are just mass exodus from heroku and that was really a decision my understanding is that was a decision from Salesforce who bought Heroku a while back. Um, sure. And that's, you know, that was that was the real big draw for Heroku because if I have to pay for it, I'm going to go somewhere that, you know, has, has better stuff than, than Heroku. So, sorry, Heroku. You, you, you're, I think you're done. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? Okay. All right. It's a shame, too, because there was a lot of good little little apps that people could put out there for free and kind of share with the community. And um, yeah. Salesforce just took all that away. Yeah. That's too bad. But, yeah. you know, sometimes businesses make silly decisions and, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll see the error of their ways and and say oh jk <laughs> never mind <laughs> just kidding they're back now all they're right introducing so, a new feature called free plans yeah yeah the big marketing splurge yeah, yeah look yeah. at our new free plans yeah there you go um so all right i want to talk before we get into the meat of the show i want to talk about um <laughs> edwin i need a ruby pennant in my life yes everybody need needs a ruby pennant in their life yeah. Um, that's uh, Brittany Martin clued me into that one, so I blame her. Brittany, where's our swag? Come on now. <laughs> um, but before we get into the meat of the show, I want to talk a little bit about uh, you've been doing a podcast, um, Code and the Coding Coders Who Code It. So tell us a little bit about that. Give us a plug. Uh, sure, it's a monthly podcast. Uh, pretty much bring on a guest, ask them three basic questions. What are you working on? Do you have any blockers? And if you don't, what blockers did you recently have and how did you solve them? And then share something cool that you've done recently or learned recently or built or doesn't even have to be coding related. I've had some really interesting segments for that, like uh, endangered hobbies and cloud whitening and <laughs> All kinds of good stuff get thrown into that little bit, but it's been a lot of fun. I've had some really good guests on. I've gotten to talk to people that 
um, I just needed an excuse to talk to, and it's been great. The next episode will be out for September. Yeah, oh, wow, that's at the end of August already. Yeah. September's will be out next Tuesday. It's a good one. So. Awesome. So you got, we've got a yeah. link to this in the description below, so you guys can go check it out, uh, get it on your Appreciate feeds, it. and um, take a listen. It's a good show. It's enjoyable. Yeah. So definitely yeah, go check that out. It's been a lot of fun to do. Just, you know, it's similar to your guys where you're just kind of hanging out, talking about whatever. I don't do it as frequently as, as you guys, or as well. Oh, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I mean, I understand that I'm really pretty to look at, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't make yeah, the you whole don't see, show. You don't see the video portion of mine because this is my face <laughs> all the time. Like, sorry. Uh, all right, so tell us because you you came to me with this idea of of doing this show on mm -hmm. when your Rails project goes off the rails. So, what do you mean by yeah. that? Um, well. I mean, Rails is convention over configuration, right? If you do things the Rails way, put things where they're supposed to be, use the generators or what have you, like things kind of just work. Sometimes they work a little magically. You don't even potentially know why, but like they work. And uh, sometimes projects either from a lack of Rails knowledge or doing things slightly out of that mold, things start you know, I'm going to do it this way instead, and I'm going to force Rails to look here for something, or I'm going to do something different. And that ends up biting you pretty quick, I've found. Um, in the beginning, like when I first started in this industry, I was like, ah, it'll be fine. Like, if you do it, add things over here, or bring this, that, the other thing in. And now that, now especially, I have a much larger team that I'm part of, and it's you know, anytime we bring on a new hire at work, it's always the parts of our code base that are not very Railsy. Not mm -hmm. even like just MVC, but just like Rails feeling. Those are the right. parts that trip up all the new hires, regardless of how much experience they have. They just, it's like, wait, why this or how that? Like, I sp see it especially around routes. Like, yeah. if you're doing resource based routings, routes end up being pretty easy to wrap your head around fairly quickly. Uh, but if you're just writing your own routes all the time, doing your own matches or adding members all over the place, putting things in collections, like it very quickly gets out of hand. It becomes extremely difficult to figure out how anything's linking up to anything and just slows you down so much, makes it harder and harder and harder to add new features or to do a refactoring. And uh, I think there's so much uh, that could be gained from staying closer to the Rails way. I mean, Rails isn't perfect for everything, right? If you're not writing a CRUD app, then maybe, you know, don't build it in Rails. But right. if you are, there's a lot that Rails does really well to get you moving fast and keep you moving fast. But if you hire me into a Rails environment, make it a Rails right. environment, for God's sake. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, that is an Arc Reactor on my shirt, and it has Octocat from GitHub on it because it is a GitHub shirt. Oh, look at that. Two brands, a nerd and one shirt. Awesome. Love it. I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> hey, man, I am super nerd, so you don't have to apologize to me. Uh, uh, yeah, so what were we talking about? I don't know. My ADD meds wore off like an hour ago, so this is going to be fun. Sorry. <laughs> so, so, yeah, what, so... 
you know, and I've seen this too when I've I've gotten into new code bases. It's hey, here's a Rails code base, and there's all kinds of weird crap going on that's not Railsy. Like we're yeah. we're doing some some HTML templates off in the live directory. What? You know, we're we're doing all this configuration stuff. Yeah. What? <laughs> you know. Those can be interesting ideas in the moment. Yeah. But then the question is, what about the next upgrade? Because there, oh, yeah. that's where you're kind of like face hit wall, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how much easier a Rails upgrade is when you're doing things the Rails way than when suddenly you're like, oh, I need to like figure out how to like fix this thing because it's not that it was broken we got it working but now with the next version like it's expecting this and this makes our lives so much easier but we can't do it because we're doing this craziness over here that isn't awesome but right um yeah the rails upgrade i'll add that to the list of <laughs> reasons not to go off the rails right and there's always you know every code ba base is going to have its little idiosyncrasies because every developer is different little things that I do that other people don't and, and vice versa. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, I have seen some, and it, it sounds like you have too, that just are so far removed from what normal Rails is that you can't yeah. even really figure out what they're doing anymore. Right. And, and yeah. not only that, but since programmers are notoriously bad at documenting anything... When you want to try to figure it out, you better hope the guy with all the noggin knowledge is still at the company or you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, there's a tribal knowledge comes into play hard when you're dealing with because usually the same people who are bad at writing documentation are bad at reading it. So they <laughs> right. don't look at like, hey, how do I do this in Rails? I don't know. So I'm just going to do it my own way, but I'm not going to document it either. So now you don't even have like a community behind. You're just like, we internally built this thing. That guy left or is on a different team now. I don't know how this thing works. And he's got no time on his schedule to pair with me because he's got his own stuff he's working on. I feel lost. I know how to do this in Rails, but I don't know how to do it in your interesting way of writing, Ruby. Okay. Right. <laughs> so it just it's like this, it's this, it's this snowball effect, right? Like if you come in with a, a fair amount of Rails knowledge to a new job and the code base is pretty close to Rails, even if you're left alone, like hopefully you're not, but even if you are, like you can figure it out. It makes sense, especially if you kind of got the Rails conventions in your head. You go too far from it and it just, it becomes soup and not yummy soup. Yeah. Yeah, that's in- Or spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that's really bad when you hire in like a junior programmer because you know senior programmers mm -hmm. at least can look at this and say okay, well if it's not here, you know I know there should be it's templates somewhere. here. They're not here, <laughs> but I know at least what I'm looking for. You know when yeah. you hire new programmers in to a Rails environment and they've spent some time learning Rails and stuff and they come into this and they go, well it's not working. There's supposed to be a template here. I don't know what the hell to do now, right? Yeah. So that's yep. that's just a bad situation. So, and, and like I'm not saying that everybody should write Rails and damn you if you don't, right? Right. Yeah. But if you say if you're going to use Rails and you say this is a Rails app, 
then make it at least slightly railsy. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know. don't make my life harder than it needs to be. And there's already a lot of thought that goes into writing any feature, even if it is close to rails, like you still have to use your head. But the more, how many times do I have to cycle through this to just even remotely grok what's going on? Don't, right. don't add to the complexity, please. Right. Especially well, Ed, don't add complexity for job security. Yeah, Edwin <laughs> says he appreciates the question because he's a junior. And I know I know Edwin's been doing a lot yeah. of learning stuff. I've been seeing a lot of things in Twitter going on, and he's doing, you know, learning the rails and stuff. And that's, for him, that would be a real nightmare to come into a code base like that, that, you know, he's learned rails, he's finally figured out how this works, and then somebody puts him in a rails environment that is, he might as well have learned JavaScript at that point, you know, it's, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I'm not saying that you won't eventually need to sh stray away from like that core MVC, but if you're doing MVC well, and you're, you're really trying to stay with the rails way of doing things, it can get you so far before you need to break from it and start diving into like, well, okay, how are we going to solve this problem that doesn't fit well into here? Or, hey, we've finally made it. Our app is getting bigger and we need to add all these new features. And it, our, you know, God object is already 2,000 lines. We don't want right. to add another method. How do we start fixing it? Like it's, you, you hit a refactoring point or something to that effect. But there's so many times I've seen people just go, ah, I'm going to do it this way. Or this isn't a database table, so it can't be a model. So I'm just going to do a thing over here with a service object that does this thing. And yeah. Yeah. I agree. Andrew. Yeah. Maybe I'm just Drew a grumpy a cool old guy. man, but I'm like, just, well, just I'm, do it. Do I, it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm with you. I'm on, I'm on the grumpy old spectrum. So, um, but yeah, you know, and it's there, like you said, there are times when you rails wasn't built as, Hey, this'll do a hundred percent of the things a hundred percent of the time. But if you're going to do the rails things, do those. And then yeah. the, the, you know, the 10 or 20% of the time that you need to not do them, make it obvious you're not doing them. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So document what, it well, make it make sense. Right. Yeah. Um, so what kind of things have you run into kind of some specific things that have been off the rails? Uh, well, um, Let's see. Uh, I mean, I don't want to throw them under the bus too bad, but no. uh, the company I work for right now has a fair amount of our code base outside of app and not in lib, but in just a different directory. And, and I mean, to be fair to my, co to works code base, like it's 13 plus years old. I don't know how old because the Git history only goes back to 13 years. It's on subversion before that. Um, it was rails two and Ruby 1.8. Like this was even before Merb was merged into rails and like rails become a lot more modular. So there were some decisions made that I'm just going to assume at the time were the best that they could do at the time or, you know, and it was also a lot of developers who didn't know Ruby and rails. So they were, getting into it for the first time. And so there was a lot of just like, not the way you would expect. And then unfortunately other people, you know, people would leave, people would come in and instead of anybody going, hold on, there's a better way to do this. Or, you know, if we go with the rails way of doing it, we could do this, this, this will speed us up. People just put a lot of work into making that not rails code work. And now we just have so much of it that like, I'm in charge of doing the upgrade. It's been a bit of a headache. 
it, <laughs> it, it yields some really interesting code to work on. I always have something fun going on, but all of that code, not an app is suddenly like, well, how do we know where it is? Cause we're not using the required statements. It's because we're auto loading everything, but like, hmm. it's just, it's not, it's not what you would expect. And so the first thing that throws off, like we were talking about earlier, it's the first thing that throws off anyone new to the company, junior, mid, it threw me off and I came in like pretty high. I'm, I'm the staff engineer there now. And I came in pretty close to senior. And first thing I was just like, what is that? <laughs> like I, because I, I had seen some weird code bases. I never seen that. Um, so I think that like, keep it an app, please. Um, so that's one, uh, we're seeing auto loading of lib code. Please don't do that. Um, and then, so, so I'm so sorry within three folks, I'm not bashing us. I promise. I do love my company, my job, my work and our code base, but we at some point decided to use liquid as our main templating engine. So if you're not familiar, liquid is from Shopify and it was a really um kind of locked down way of doing front end code like you could you weren't passing objects to the front end you were passing what they call liquid drops which are essentially essential this is an oversimplification but they're hashes right but what that means is every object that you want to pass over needs to be first converted into a liquid drop so now every single one of our models has a liquid version of the model. And then some things that need to get handed over are kind of two models. So that has a completely different liquid drop. But now where do we put the code that we would normally stick on the model? Do we put it on the model and then delegate from the drop or do we put it on the drop? Cause we're really only using it in the view, but okay, well, so what we'll do is we'll introduce presenters, right? Cause that's what you do to keep it you know, off of one object, you just put it in a different one. But now you have like, you have your model code getting thrown into these two other bits of code. Then you throw in service objects that are not objects. They're just procedural code wrapped up to look like an object. And you create a, a really hard thing to track down, right? Anytime you're like, well, where is this bit of code coming from? Um, so all of those extra, let's just call them design patterns, good or bad, just all of those extra patterns just make it hard to say, this is what I expect. I expect when I click this button, I'm submitting this form to my controller. My controller is handing the params over to some object. That object is persisting it or validating it or what have you. And then giving me some result back that says either here's an error page or here's a success page. Like, that's crud in a nutshell, right? Like in a, to a degree, like your controllers can be that simple. Yeah. Um, but then when you add all this extra stuff, it's like, well now, because I'm feeding all of this into a service object, but the service object doesn't know how to validate things correctly. So I have all of this validation logic, the params come over and I want to say, well, if you didn't provide an email address in this format, I'm going to raise this validation message, but I also have that validation over here. And I happen to have it in the service object too, just to make sure that I can actually create these objects. Right. Well, now I need to internationalize that string of 
the email address error message. Where do I do it? Because we're doing it in it. And that's, that's kind of goes, that's the example I'm alluding to is like, it's much easier to stay with your MVC and the Rails way of doing things because now we kind of know that this is where my validation lives. So when that string needs to change, you know where it changes. And it doesn't, it does not actually have to be the model, right? It's can be a different object that includes active model validations, but like it's one spot. It's not in the controller and then also over here and then maybe over there. Right. Um, sometimes going off the rails is just doing something goofy, saying I'm going to get back on the rails, doing it differently over here, and then never revisiting the goofy place. Like finishing that refactor cycle needs to be part of staying on the rails. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's hard to do. So, so what do you do to unscrew that? Well, we finish the refactor cycle, like I said. Um, but at, so at work, we we had a lot of conversations about it. We were slowing down. Um, it was harder to get some features out. We were hiring, bringing on new developers. Um, and it was getting harder to onboard them. It was getting harder to say, oh, good, you have a lot of Rails experience. You'll be great for this team. But you're not going to use any of that Rails experience because we've got most of our code outside of the Rails way. Um, so we kind of collectively decided, like, we want to get back on the Rails. So it's been a lot of identifying, hey, this bit needs to change or that bit needs to change. And it's slow, right? It's like, okay, first we're going to extract this little bit or we're going to move this little bit. Um, but then it's, it's settling on a pattern. If it's not MVC, what are we going to do? We're trying to, one of the big pushes is, like I said, we were using liquid for a very long time, but because liquid is so locked down, we didn't have access to a lot of our rails helpers, specifically form helpers. Like I, form helpers are great in rails. You can make a pretty complete form very quickly. We didn't have it, we wanted it back. So now we're really making a push to use forms better. So there were times, hey, we don't have an object or a model or a, uh, an active record um, model that backs this. So we discussed it and we implemented form objects, which are models really. They're just a plain old Ruby object that inherits or includes some behavior from active model. They're just not database backed. And that allowed us to use forms so those bits of the code are starting to improve. They're starting to feel more Railsy. The controllers look more like a Rails controller. They're arguably the more fun places to work in our app. Um, but it's it's slow. It's like that methodical, like it. Yeah, it's a it's it's kind of like losing weight. If you're like at your ideal weight, it's much easier to maintain it. So it's much easier to stay on the Rails way of doing things than it is to be like, oh, I am an unhealthy weight now. I need to lose the weight. That's a lot harder to do. Yep. You're cutting out a lot more. You're being much more meal preppy and much more, I can't have alcohol today because I'm trying to lose weight. When you're on maintenance mode, you can have a little bit of alcohol because right. it's not going to stop you from losing the weight that you're actively trying to lose. So um, so trick number one is don't go off the rails right you don't have to do any of this but if you've done it's it just be prepared it's it's slow uh, and you have to be methodical and it don't work in a silo like don't let one person just go off and be like i'm going to fix all the things Ugh. like even if you create just a small team and that small team is constantly talking about hey 
I want to implement this pattern or I want to convert, move this to this. And here's the eventual goal. We're not going to just jump, right? It's small refactoring cycles. Um, that is at least how we're doing it because we're so far off the rails, but, um, there are a lot of good patterns out there that don't fall into MVC, but are actually MVC yeah. without being called that. And form objects is a good example of them, but, um, well, and I, I think this is this is also why one of my, and I've said this before on the show, one of my favorite ways to do pair programming is to get a senior developer and a junior developer together, especially a real green junior developer. Because when the senior developer starts going off the rails, which they are wont to do most of the time, the junior will go, what the hell? And then the senior has right? to explain that to him and go, okay, this probably isn't a good idea. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, if I if um I have to explain my code way too much, then I've done a bad job of right. writing it in a uh, least surprising way, you know. Um, because I think that's it's kind of a culmination of things. Sometimes you're like, oh, I think I know how to do it better, but it's also a little bit of like, I don't know that Rails knows how to do this already for me. Like, I don't know that this helper exists, or I can include active model validations into a random Poro and get validation logic, just like I would an active record model. Um, oh, that's amazing and a complete game changer. Like if you don't know that you're going to reach for bad validation patterns, right? Right. Or, Hey, I don't like the way rails does validation. So I'm going to write my own while you're in for a world of hurt, buddy. Like, it's just like, uh, it, but when you have both of those things at once, that's a recipe for disaster too. So usually I've found though with rails, if I feel like something's more more difficult to do than I was expecting it. Either I'm doing something goofy and going off the rails, or I just need to like look harder right. at the Rails docs and I usually find it. And and then there's the third case that if it really doesn't exist, open a PR because it's open source and that's the best part about it. Right. Well and also the fact that, you know, since Rails has been in existence, there have been one or two kind of smart people in the community that have dealt with most of the problems you're gonna deal with at one point or another. Right. So yeah, you know, you're probably not the first person to have that problem. Right. Um so yeah, I mean, back on Rails one, yeah, you, you may have most likely would have been the first person. At this point, sure. No, it's they've pretty much done it. So yeah. some somebody's tackled this already. Um, yeah, and, and if you're thinking about going off the rails, there's probably a good article or tutorial or blog post outlining why you shouldn't from someone who already went through that pain. So, right. Um, well, and I that's think the nice that's the thing about having a mature framework. Yeah, and I think that's one of the most important questions to ask to keep yourself from going off of rails in the first place is when you're getting ready to do something that you know is not rails, why? Why am I doing this? What, what am I trying to accomplish here? Because usually when I ask that question, I end up explaining myself into, that's a dumb thing to do. I need to do it the way everybody else right. does it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, it's something like when I'm talking to friends of mine who are slightly more junior or just getting in, like sometimes you don't have to know the answer. You don't have to know like, what's the right pattern here? What should I reach for? It's if you can identify when something feels bad, you don't have to know how to fix it. Just being able to say that feels bad and then being able to go, hey, so and so with 10 years more experience than me, can you help me? Because this feels bad. They probably 
will know, be like, yes, you're right. That is bad. We shouldn't do it that way. Let me introduce you to my friend, this design pattern and yeah. things get better. Yeah. And so I, you know, I think one, one of the reasons that, that I wanted to do this show is because I want I want to find ways, and, and this isn't the only way. I mean, there's lots of people out in the community doing things about this, but to get new people involved in programming, and especially Ruby and Rails. And one of the reasons I want that is because junior programmers are extraordinarily valuable in keeping things tighter because they tend to ask a crap ton of questions, and yeah. and that makes people think more. So juniors out mm -hmm. there, be encouraged. The seniors, good seniors, want you to ask lots of questions. Yeah. If they get annoyed really with you asking questions, they're jerks and not wanting to learn anymore and just go find another job. But most of yeah. us really want you to ask a lot of questions because yeah. it challenges us to explain our thinking and to make sure our thinking is sound. Yeah. Right? And that helps us Absolutely. to keep from going off the rails because when you've been doing this stuff for a long time, and I've been doing this stuff for a long time, um, you start you start getting into bad habits if you don't have somebody coming along every once in a while and saying, why the hell are you doing that? That doesn't make any mm -hmm. sense to me because it makes perfect sense in my head. I know how, you know, the 85 steps I, I went through to get to this place. Um and sometimes we lose sight of the fact that other people have to read this crap too and understand it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and depending on how big your team is more than likely not you. Right. Right. Um, that those are, those all play into things that we're implementing at work to help us with. It's funny that you like, it's all getting back onto the rails things that will help us. And incidentally, just leveling up juniors, like we pair a lot, like very rarely does someone do multiple days of heads down work in a silo where no one else sees what they're doing. Like it's a lot of, hey, take a look at this. Like, what do you think about this naming? Or I'm writing my tests this way, or I'm thinking about refactoring it. It's not just when I have a problem, which is great, great for juniors and great for getting back on the rails because two heads are better than one. Um, but the, also that not working in a cycle where we're focused on really small, easy to review PRs because sometimes our PRs end up being really big. It's like 20 files have changed and it does all of this stuff. And it's like, that's great for QA to be able to test this thing. But like the PR is not for our QA to test the thing. Like the what we end up deploying to a server is what they test. Like the right. PR can be four PRs going to a branch that gets deployed another developer has to review this, make it small and consumable. And it's much easier to catch the bad smelly stuff ahead of time yep. when they're small consumable. And we get that faster feedback cycle. You're not working in a silo. People are pairing. Right. Snowball effect, but in the up in the right way. Um, so Edwin says, I get self-conscious when I ask a lot of questions. I personally feel annoying. Uh, Edwin, I will tell you, you're talking to three very senior programmers here, please ask questions because honestly, we, A, like I said before, it helps us to check our thinking because we get into bad habits. 
um, and we get jaded and, and start thinking, ah, I just, I don't want to go through the hard way of doing it. Let me cut the corners. So you keep us in line, but also we want junior programmers to learn. And the best way to learn is by asking questions, right? Yep. So don't ever feel bad about asking questions. And if somebody, if a programmer makes you feel bad about asking questions, you have them come talk to me because they need an attitude adjustment, my friend. That is correct. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, Julie and Andrew uh, just released um, a podcast, Ruby for All, that's really good, focused on juniors and getting yep. them up. And they just had an episode a lot on this topic, where it's like the good seniors are going to want you to ask questions and and want you to um, come to them frequently. You know, especially it it's even self serving. It's beneficial for you to come to and ask me a bunch of questions now. Then later when you open that PR and now I have to sit here and go, okay, hold on. We want to do this different. Hold on. We want to do that different. Here's a giant PR review that basically says, Hey, let's pair. Like we can get that early. Right. So from a self-serving standpoint, like, yeah, ask the questions. I'd rather hear them now, but also any good senior wants you to succeed. You're never going to ask too many questions if you're, and, and I, I, feel like it was Andrew. It might have been on Jason's podcast, not on Ruby for All, but like ask high effort questions, not low effort questions. Like show that you at least like, hey, I opened the docs and I read through this and I don't understand how this works. Or I opened the docs and didn't find anything, or I've read through the guides on this section and I'm feeling a bit stuck. Like show that you've at least attempted to answer your own question. Like that's that whole concept of like dumb questions like there are no dumb questions unless you put absolutely no work into figuring it out yourself then right but you don't have to put a lot of work into your time box at 20 minutes goes by and you're like i still am struggling with this then come to me i will see that you put in a degree of work to this and i will be happy to help guide you yeah my my boss has a rule his rule is you put in an hour if you're still spinning your wheels then call in all the guns let's let's yep. work together and fix it because you need to, it, it's good to do things because that helps you learn, but also, uh, you know, ask questions and get knowledge. Yeah. Um, because all of that kind of helps. If you're in a Rails environment, all of that helps you stay in the Rails environment. And since the whole show is about when things go off the rails, the more you can prevent things from going off the rails in the first place, the easier life gets. Um, I don't have an opportunity a lot to work with junior programmers, but I do train a fair number of people in different, they have different responsibilities, not programming, but I turn it around and I frequently, as I'm showing them something or training them on something, say, do you have any questions? Yeah. And then if there's a silence, I'm like, all right, they're not getting something. I was like, so you got, you know, so I actively pull things out at times to try and get them to ask questions. So for me, it's much better to have the questions fly furiously as opposed to having to pull them out of someone. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And we do have at work, we're, we're not, a, like I said, we have some code base issues to solve before I feel like we can truly bring on juniors and feel like we're guiding them the best way possible. Um, but we do have some engineers that are a little more on the junior side and I love it when they ask questions. I've developed tactics. I've stolen tactics from the army on like how to 
get them to ask questions or at least demonstrate that they understand what I'm saying, like getting a back brief, like, do you understand? Yes, cool, what did I say then? And like, if they can explain it back to me, then I'd feel confident, but I'd much rather have the, the folks who I'm like, I think I got it, but let me just make sure, do you mean, and we go down and I'm like, yes, awesome, or no, I didn't do a good enough job explaining this and we, we try it again. Um, but yeah, there's never, never such a thing as too many questions in most of my pairing sessions. There's another, another reason that seniors want juniors to ask questions, and that is the more questions you ask, the faster you learn. And the faster you learn, the sooner we can assign to you the stuff we don't want to do. <laughs> so, you know, ask away. Yeah. Yeah. Once I teach you to center a div, I will never have to do it ever again. Right. Yeah, exactly. We, we will pass the torch on most gladly in a lot of cases. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Please give me API work versus centering a div. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or JavaScript. I'm always work. amazed. Front-end engineers and their ability to, like, make things look either just good in general or pixel perfect to a design and, and do it so well, so fast, and so sustainably. Like I can, I can cobble together some styles that make it kind of look like this thing the designer gave me. But like, if I have to go touch that thing three months later, oh God, I have no idea what's going on or how everything breaks when I remove one style here. But like some front end folks who are really good with CSS can make it so beautiful and so easy to work with. I'm, I'm astounded. Like I, I love Ruby and I will stay with it and you can have CSS cause I don't get it, but right. you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I had to do I mean I've been full stack and I've had to do CSS and stuff and I just oh, oh, yeah. oh god <laughs> no yeah. oh I'm I'm really glad I don't have to do that anymore I'm just I'm just on the platform part it's... yeah hey you saw you saw my podcast website that is that is my peak design skills right there yeah well they're better than <laughs> mine so <laughs> I was <laughs> Yeah, so my productivity level doing database work, back-end engineering work, I'll do a metric of 100%. If I have to move to JavaScript, my productivity drops at least by half. And then if I have to work on design, my productivity drops 20% or lower. And that 20% is getting on the phone calling somebody, please help me with design. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's my... just grinding it out, man. If I had more budget, then yes, I would be doing that, but yeah. Oh man, I just yeah. saw Tim's comment. He's working for a company where uh, there's a Rails app written by Java developers. Oh God, oh that, God. That sounds, that's gonna be- I, Well, I'm maybe they're pleasant. trying to break free. You don't know. <laughs> they're already too entrenched in the dark side. I don't think there's- <laughs> I, I, I think it's actually, it's really important like, so we, we're Ruby developers, we write Ruby, right? And yeah. I think it would be incredibly unfair and we would produce horrible code if we went to, for example, Java and wrote Java like it was Ruby. Oh yeah. Right? And I think that's a problem that happens with some people who transition into Ruby is they come from another language, they come into Ruby and they go, but I wanna write it like it's Java or I wanna write it like it's TypeScript or I wanna write it like it's Rust. And it's like, hey, those languages are, you know, great or fine or horrible, depending on how you feel about them. But like, this is Ruby and we're gonna write it like Ruby. Right. Um, 
So just today I was writing something in Ruby and I could have made it so more efficient if I could overload a method and just pass in like a symbol. I was like, what like Elixir does. And I was like, yeah. oh, but I can't do that. Well, I'll, I'll just do it like this. You know, I'll do a conditional, but it would have been so much cleaner, cooler if I could do an overloaded method or something. Yeah. And you know, yeah. to be, I sound like I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of the Java developers, but to be fair, when I started Ruby, I was guilty of the same thing. It's like, you know, I'm trying to do this thing, and I'm like, well, here's how I know to do it from Turbo Pascal, so I want to do it mm. this way, you know. And it's, it's like, right. mm, that's not, no, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, now you, now you know. Right? Yeah, and right. now you look back on that old code and you look at it and you're like, what the heck? It's like yeah. Ruby is so much so much nicer of a language to look at and read when someone is writing Ruby. And same goes for JavaScript. Like a lot of my JavaScript ends up looking kind of shit or feeling kind of shit because I'm like, I'm kind of trying to force it to be Ruby and it's not. Yeah. But if I just write JavaScript the way that JavaScript wants to be written, it 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 feels better. Right, it's not great. It's still JavaScript, but it's better. So, like, I want to—I learn just enough JavaScript that I don't have to write a lot of JavaScript. And by that, I mean I write JavaScript the way that it was intended to be written. And right. I think that that it would be—that's my fear when I hear Tim say like, "Oh, a, a Rails app written by Java developers." I'm like, that sounds scary. Unless they're really good developers and went right. and put the time and effort into saying, "Well, this is the convention for Rails, and this is how Ruby wants to be written." Um, will be better. But when someone tries to force it to be something it's not, that's when it starts being like, what is going, I cannot follow your, what is going, what, no. I, right. I give up, I'm done, I can't. And there are plenty I, of really good polyglots out there who can do that. They can mm -hmm. write in Java, they can write in Ruby, they can write in .NET, and it, you know, they can flip yeah. back and forth. So it's, you know, I was being a little facetious there picking on the Java developers, but, there, you know, it's it's like if I went and tried to write in Laravel, they would hate me, you know, I'm because I'd be trying to write it like Rails, and it's just right. not. Yeah, so, uh, Laravel's close enough, right? Well, I mean, it's MVC, but I've never touched PHP, so uh, <laughs> you know, that'll be that you're in for an adventure. Then, um, it's fun. Good times. So, so I've got a devil's advocate question. So. Most of this podcast has been advocating staying on the rails, but what areas are valid to go off the rails on? And I'm thinking of a couple of instances, like, for example, Rails really presents you a framework. And like even a decade ago, I think uh, Bob Martin or Dr. Bob or however he's known, gave a presentation where, and then people have rep repeated it multiple times that Ruby is not your app. And really, it's the web framework and your actual business logic. He was advocating a way of putting it potentially somewhere else, not necessarily in the app directory, because he wants to look in the directory and see the business logic of what your application does. Because if you go and look in a Rails folder structure, the app structure of five different Rails apps, they're going to look similar, and you'll have no idea what the application actually does. So he is advocating putting the business logic in maybe lib or somewhere else so that you can understand, hey, this is your running application. Its interface to the world is through the Rails framework. 
So considering that or other ways, what acceptable ways do you guys feel it's acceptable to go off the rails in certain instances? Well, yeah. I think I think it's exactly that. It, the business logic is where you can kind of separate that because Rails is really the MVC layer. Um, so you know, and or the web interface. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of people. So what what I saw happening early on with Rails is people said, "My business logic goes in the controller." No, my business logic goes in the model. No, your business logic doesn't belong in either one of those places. It, it's, I think that's really what the live directory was kind of there for, was to separate the business logic from uh, the other things, and it kind of got subsumed into other stuff. But I think that's, you know, your business logic, your POROs are where the stuff isn't, doesn't need to be Railsy because that's not the Railsy bits. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I not to, uh, getting hung up on singular examples, and I should have come prepared with more. But I mentioned earlier form objects. Like that's a not that's a model in my opinion. It's a poro, and it's but it's it's not backed by a database, so it's not an active record model. But it is still a model. It just it it has data and behavior, and it's so it's an object, and it's modeling something. It's modeling a form for me. And it allows me to hold on to business logic for something that isn't database persisted. So like I, and I could be wrong, but in my opinion, that's still adhering to the MVC pattern, right? That's a model. The controller interacts with it by passing it the params from the view and then decides what view to hand you based on, hey, are you valid or did you save or were you able to update or whatever question you ask it, you're still passing messages around. Right. Just between the controller and the model. So you're still adhering to model view controller, but you're kind of going off the rails a little bit because that's not an active record model. Right. So there's that like fine line of like, is this rails? Is it not? It's like, well, that can still live in app models. I hear what you're saying where it's like, not necessarily going to be able to find my business logic that well, but um, well, I don't it, think you need to get off the rails as fast as most people think you do. No, no, you don't. And there's there's places where you can – there's ways that you can package things up in the app so they don't interfere with the MVC, but your business logic is still in there. I mean, you can yeah. you can have more directories in your app directory, subdirectories, than just what they provide you with. You can yeah. put whatever you want to in there. And also, there's a very gray area in – what is business logic and what is MVC? That's not just, you know, that's not a clear-cut thing. So, yeah. you know, when is when is there too much business logic in a model? Well, I mean, that's kind of, kind of something you just kind of have to feel out and decide for yourself. There's not really a, here's the cutting point. Um, yeah. but There's an overload point, right? It gets to be too big, and then you hit it with your refactoring recipes, right. and now it improves. But... You don't have to reach for a design pattern right out the box, right. right out the gate. You just have to keep your your code organized enough to not be, or to you have to keep your code organized enough that you can do that refactoring without too much pain later down the road. Right. Especially because a lot of our Rails apps are started as a you know a one or two or three person startup, and you don't have time to like sit here and like microservices and all this 
patterns of architecture and I'm going to create my own thing, like use the kit. Kit provides you with so much, get right. running. And then if you're super profitable, spend a little bit of, you know, hire another developer to do the feature work while you refactor. Right. Just refactor well. But, and to keep yourself from going off the rails in the first place, if you're going to add something or put something somewhere that's not already in the rails, you know, when I do a rails new and it puts the structure out for me, if I'm getting ready to add a folder there, I better do some thinking about why am I doing this? Could this belong somewhere that already exists? Probably it does, but there are times when it doesn't and that's fine. Just make sure you've validated that and justified it, you know? Um, yeah, I, so what's, what's also very interesting is that, so I've done some work in Phoenix and I actually like how it breaks things down or it's more explicit. Like for example, they have a, whatever your app name is, if your app name is foo, they do foo underscore web. And that is literally the web framework. So it has your controllers, they separate views into templates and views. They're two separate uh, concepts, but that's basically the web framework. And then they have just whatever your application's name is, foo. And within that, they have dedicated folders for your uh, models that only specify how data is stored in the database. And then they have entirely business logic focused uh, entities or objects, well, they're not objects, but, you know, modules for handling all the business logic. So there with that framework, it's much more laid out, which is expected. And frankly, probably a little bit more convention is offered by presenting that as opposed to what Rails offers currently. So I, I just found that interesting. Right. And it's hard sometimes with Rails to stay on the Rails because as soon as you get past, you know, the little introductory blog project, you're going to run into a situation where you're looking at, you're thinking about code going, where does that actually belong? It's not clear cut that it's, is this model code? Is this controller code? Should I be putting this in a polar And 95% of the people stick it in controller. Or the model. Maybe the model or model. Right. Then that's it. And it's not till months or years later they're like, this thing is huge. It's hard to work on. Let's put it some Willie's house. And then you start refactoring and you're looking at that going, well, we ought to put this in some directory over here. And the, you know, and then, then you're off the rails and you're, but you should be thinking about, well, okay, I've got this little clump of code now. Is that really just another model? Is that an actual business logic unit that I need to put into a PORO in the live directory or some subdirectory? You know, how do you separate these things out? Um, and that takes a lot of hard thinking. Yep. But you're going to run into those situations every time when you get past the little blog intro program that Rails does. You know, it's just apps get complicated and they get old our jobs are complicated yeah that's why there's so many of us that have jobs <laughs> right and yeah no. um so edwin said back to the questions um junior developers says i think do you mean is a great question sometimes an issue i may run into may be more granular than expected 
but I would only know the generalities of the situation. I agree. What do you think, Drew? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, uh, do you mean is sort of that, if you don't ask that question, that's that back brief I was talking about is where I have someone give it back. So do you mean questions are great because you just, you put your own flair vernacular on what I just said and you say it back. And as long as it makes sense to me, I know it makes sense to you and we can move on. But if what you say back in the do you mean question isn't that same understanding, then we can revisit it in a, with a little bit more detail on what is unclear. So I think do you mean questions are awesome. Yeah. And, and that's not just for juniors. I ask those all the time in my oh, yeah. work environment. I, my, my, do you mean is I say, let me, let me restate that. And then I translate your English to my English and see if we're still on the same page. Right. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, I, I think that's something every programmer should ask. If you're in a pair programming situation and they say something that's not a hundred percent, just basic information, you should be saying, hey, do you mean this to clarify? Because I, a lot of times that is, no, I don't mean that, or yeah, I meant that, but on second thought, that's probably not the way we want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've fallen into the trap too of like using like acronyms or assuming knowledge. And I, I've tried to get better at not assuming knowledge, but I still fall into that trap. So that's another reason why juniors asking a lot of questions is it shows me where I'm assuming knowledge. So do you mean questions is like, when you say, you know, VC, do you mean, and, and if we're on the same page, I'm like, great, you understand, but also I need to stop using that acronym first. I need to explain what that acronym is because you're not the first person to say it or you are. And I'm just going to try and remember. So, uh, Again, that's almost like a self-serving, yes, please do that because you're improving me indirectly. Right. Um, but yeah, always ask the questions. Yeah. And, you know, man, if, if you guys come on the show, you know, and you're sitting in chat, ask the questions. We, I, yeah. I'd rather you ask more questions here than not. The whole point of this show is to spread knowledge, really. Yeah. Um, I don't do this because I like sitting my ass in a chair every Wednesday night. I do it because... I think it's important to share knowledge and the best way to do that is to have people ask questions and interact and, and we can answer them, you know, um, that's, so you are more than welcome to ask any questions you want to ask when you're here. Um, all right. So I think every, every single, I said this last week, every single week, you say I have it every week, I know I have so much fun. I lose track of time. It's already nine o'clock, man. We we're up on time. Uh, this was a, this was a really fun conversation. I'm, I'm really glad yeah. you came on the show, Drew, and we, we appreciate you being here, uh, and yeah, taking time. You. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Um, sorry if I, spoken circles too many times like i said adhd meds wore off so i i do it's that a, all the time we fail english Squirrel. that's impossible <laughs> so i you know i do that all the time um so uh, edwin says i don't have a bedtime keep going yeah well i do i'm old man <laughs> don't don't tempt me with a good time uh, <laughs> uh but yeah, this was a really, really good discussion, and I'd, I'd love to be able to get you back on sometime and uh, 
figure out yeah. something else fun to talk with you about. It was it was really nice having you on here. Absolutely. Um, you guys make sure you check out. Um, man, I always stumble over this. Co say the name of your podcast. <laughs> It's code and the coding coders who code it. There you go. Uh, the link is down in the description if you're watching on YouTube. If you're watching on Twitch, go over to YouTube and look at the description. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Twitch doesn't have that. Um, so <laughs> anyway, uh, you can catch us as a podcast also in all the places that podcasts live. We do upload this as a podcast, what, a day or two later? Um, so you can listen to it in your Whenever car. it's available, yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you really want to see our beautiful faces again, you can just go watch us again on YouTube. Cause it, you know, it'll be up there as well. Um, or VODs on Twitch, if that's your bag, but, um, yeah, if, if you did enjoy this and I hope you did, I know I did, uh, please make sure to like, and subscribe, follow if you're on Twitch, it's free, it's easy, and it makes me feel awesome. So, uh, just go ahead and do it. If you really want to help the show, the best thing you can do is tell your lovely friends, because we know you have lots of them. Uh, I've talked to a lot of you, you folks on Twitter, and I know you're just hyper popular and have lots of, of friends to, to bring with you. Uh, and we love to have you guys in chat. Uh, that's, that's what really makes the show for me, chat. I love it. Um, we are here every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Um, we will not be here next Wednesday night because just like the rest of you folks, we are human and every once in a while we need a break. Um, and since it's a holiday week, uh, at least here in the U.S., we're going to take a break. Also, I wasn't able to book a guest, and and I, I would have to do some thinking and come up with, with something to talk about. So, I, you know, we're just going to take a break. There you go. But we will be back on the 14th go. of September, uh, and we are going to have um, – who are we going to have? Oh, Brittany Martin. Brittany Martin and one of her friends is coming on, and we are going to have a duel That's be a good one. between PMs and EMs. How do they talk? How do they misunderstand each other? You know, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun with that one. So uh, we won't see you next week, but the week after that, we will start the Super September guest list. Uh, and, Drew, we thank you for finishing up our awesome August guest list. Um, and, folks, I have penned a tweet on our profile asking for suggestions for October's guest list name because I can't figure one out. So bring it on. Come on. Give me some help here. Um, we, we will, man, I'm just, I got nothing. On. You got nothing. Right, okay. Well, sleep on it, man. You'll get it. Um, what was I talking? Yeah, I think I was talking. All right. Anyway, um, jeez, I told you it's past my bedtime. Come on, man. Um, so we, anyway, smash all the buttons and ding all the bells. You know how it goes. We will see you guys in two weeks. Thank you for being here. And until next time, happy programming. Happy programming.